Hey there. Thank you so much for checking out this message with us at Believer's Chapel. Our prayer is that you have a genuine experience with God and that you're able to connect with him in a deeper way as a result of listening to this message. Thank you again. God bless you. Good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing today? Okay, here's a question for you. Do you guys love this time of year? I love this time of year. Uh, this is my season, okay? We're, we're, we're starting to get into fall. Fall is the best. Fall is my favorite time of year. Um, normally, at this time of year by now, I, I, and, and just for the record, I know we're not officially into fall, but for me, fall starts when pumpkin spice things start showing up. Um, I am a pumpkin spice addict. You can put it on pizza and I'd be happy. Um, I love pumpkin spice. I love everything fall. Fall colors are my favorite. Uh, and one of the things that I love about this time of year is the New York State Fair. Have any State Fair fans? Hey, if you're joining us online, why don't you just tell me what your favorite thing about the fair is in the comments. But, hey, I love just about everything about the fair. I love fried food. I, I used to love to go get to the, to the, to the tent and get a Gianelli sausage. Um, I, then we'd go over to the, um, to the dairy building and I would get as many of those little 25 cent milks as I can handle at one time. You know, I'm just sitting there double fisting chocolate milk like it's nobody's business. I love, love the fair. I love that. Uh, I didn't get to go this year, so I'm a little bit sad about that. But um, normally, though, that, those are staples. Those are things that we look forward to every year. Those are things that we love. And let me tell you about one of my fair experiences. Have, have you guys ever, like, made a decision that you instantly regretted? I'm not going to make anybody tell you the story, but I, we all have those situations where we have... Um, we make a decision, and it's like instantly you know this was not a good decision. Um, the first year, it was either the first or the second year uh, after we got married. Um, let me just tell you a couple things about my wife, okay? My wife is everything bubbly and fun and joyful and exciting about life. She loves all that, okay? She wants to go and do all the things. She wants to be around people. I am an introvert. I am kind of like a grumpy old man in a 33-year-old's body. Um, I'm, I'm cool. My, my idea of a perfect day is sitting alone in a room with a book to read and a pot of coffee. That, that's it. That's all, that's all it takes to make me happy. Um, that would drive her insane. So she decides we're going to go to the fair. Okay, great. I love the fair. Let's go eat all the food. Um, and she wants to go ride rides. Okay, here's the thing. I wouldn't say that I'm afraid to ride rides, um, but at this point, she doesn't know that uh, in college we went on a missions trip and I got really sick, like 
life-altering sick. Like, I had never been motion sick before in my life, and now it's like a regular thing ever since I got, like, that's how sick I got, right? So motion sickness does not agree with me. So rides, therefore, don't really agree with me. But I just got married. I'm a young man. I can't tell her that, right? So I was like, okay, we'll go start, we'll go ride, ride some things. And so the first thing she picks is to go on the swings, okay? You know where this is going, right? She's laughing because she, she knows. Um, so we get up there, and it's not just any kind of swing. It's, it, this one was one of those where you like get on it and it like catapults you up like 60, 70 feet in the air, and then you start swinging. So that I'm fine with. Heights, no problem. Just, yeah, strap me in, let's go. Um, but it, this, it starts to go, and it starts to go faster and faster, and then all of a sudden, we're, 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 you know, we were like this, and th- now we're like this. And we're spinning around in a circle, and I have my sunglasses on, and I have to keep my eyes shut so tight, because if I open my eyes, I promise you I'm going to vomit. And I, I just it regretted it. Like, I regretted the fact that I couldn't just tell her that it was, a, it was a problem, right? My pride got in the way. I regretted the fact that I made this decision at all. I regretted it. I just, I, don't, I shouldn't have done it. And I came off that ride, and I was like, that's it. I'm tapped for the day. No more rides. No more food. I don't, I don't want to do anything else. Uh, that was it. That was, that was my state fair experience that year. And here's the thing. I, I know that this is a goofy, silly example, right? Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, it's kind of, kind of a, a dumb thing to talk about, right? But we all have these experiences where we make decisions that we instantly regret, we all have these experiences where we, we do something and then we realize, hmm, you know what? This was not a good idea. We've been talking about this upside down kingdom for the past couple of weeks. You know, Pastor Rich talked about if you, if you want to be, uh, be first, you must be last. If you want to lead, you must first be a servant. Pastor Bethany talked talk to us about how God's wisdom is far better than ours. Even his foolishness is better than our wisdom, right? Today, we're going to look at another passage that seems counterintuitive. We're going to read Psalm 32, 1 through 5. Read this with me. It says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. So, I'm going to get to the, to the upside down part here in a minute, but what, is, what's, what, what's, what are we talking about here? This is actually, this, uh, many of the Psalms are actually songs. So, this is a, a song that, that King David wrote, and, and he's talking about um, how great it is to have the burden of sin lifted from you, right? How great it is to have 
don't, to not have to carry it anymore, right? We, we talk a lot about salvation and what the work of Jesus and the cross, and we talk about what he's done for us, and, and a, a large part of that is that he bore the weight of sin for us. You can see in verse two and five, this word gets used. It, it, the, the word is iniquity, and that's not part of our modern vernacular, is it? It's not like part of our, our regular jargon. It's not part of the things that we say like, I don't sit down at Starbucks drinking pumpkin spice latte and talk to the barista about my iniquity. <laughs> or because I'm in, in Jesus, my lack of iniquity now, right? It's just not, it's not something we talk about. But this word, iniquity, it's a Hebrew, uh, it's, it's, it comes from a Hebrew word, translated from a Hebrew word, um, and I, w- I want you guys to say this with me, okay? It's avon. Can you say it again? Say avon. It sounds like French, yes? Oui, oui, monsieur. No. It's actually a Hebrew word, avon, and it refers to sin itself. It refers to sin as the subject, but it also refers to the effects of sin. Okay, so this word avon is kind of interchangeable in that, in that sense is that it talks about sin itself, but also the effects of sin. So how, how good it is to have those effects of sin removed from us. What are some effects of sin? Well, there, there are what I would consider two categories of effects of sin. They're outward effects, Right? Outward effects of sin are things like death and, um, and injustice and uh, the deterioration of the world around us, right? That is an outward effect of sin. It's not something that's necessarily happening inside of you. There's another huge effect of sin that we need to talk about as well, another outward effect of sin, and it's the, the harm that you do to other people. Because I'm going to be 100% honest with you right now a lot of your sin is hurting other people. A lot of your sin is causing people around you to suffer and stumble. So there are outward effects of sin, but there are also inward effects of sin too. Things like sickness, depression, impurity, doubt, anxiety. And the one that really, as I was preparing for this, that really stuck to me is shame. The one that really stood out as I was talking about this is, is shame. Have you ever experienced shame? You ever, you ever been embarrassed? Embarrassment and shame are, are, are two, uh, two sides of the same coin. But shame goes deep. Shame affects who you are, your identity, your your. Um, your, your self-image, it goes deep. Have you experienced it like David did in, in, in this, that he's talking about this, this bone-withering, groaning shame that leaves you just dried up inside? I know I have. Done it, been there, done that, got the T-shirt. I made decisions that I instantly regretted I chose things that had huge consequences for myself, my marriage, my family, my friends, people around me. 
not only did I make those decisions and I chose those things, but I chose to keep on making those mistakes and keep doing those things. That's, that's a pattern that you can fall into in your life is that you, you, you start doing something and then because you've already done it, you're, you're already dealing with the shame. Well, I mean, it's not like it's gonna hurt me more, is it? So you just keep on doing the same thing and those, those effects, they, they, they grow deep inside you and that sin or, or that, that issue takes root inside of you. It's a pattern that we can fall into when we keep things covered, we give them power over our lives. The scripture describes the situation this way. He says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. What David is saying here is when I hid my issues, whether it be sin or shame or trauma or any of these things, when I hid that stuff away, they ate at me. They wasted me away. They withered my bones. The question that we need to ask ourselves right now today is, are the, are the, the issues that we're dealing with wasting away at our own selves? Are they wasting away at your bones? Are they, is it eating at you? Is it gnawing at you? Are you getting eat up by your sin or, 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 or are you getting eat up by lies that you've believed or things that you're so desperate to cover up that you think that you have to become a whole different person when you come to church? Because I know a lot of people that are one way when I see them in social situations, and they're a whole different way when we come to church. Man, it got quiet. God does not desire for you to be a different person when you come to church. He does not desire for you to have to cover everything up and put on a facade and pretend like everything's okay whenever there, there are things inside of you that are eating you up. The actions of God, the actions of Jesus throughout scripture reveal to us that his motives are to restore, renew, and regenerate us through the work of Christ. Okay, what does that mean? All of the things that eat you up inside, it's his plan that those things no longer eat you up inside. All of those effects of sin, it is his will that you be healed of those things. Okay, it is God's will for you not to be two different people. It is God's will that you be one whole, complete, intact person who is healed and who is no longer being eat up by their sin. Jesus came here to earth, lived a completely sinless life, bled and died a sinner's death so that you would not have to be enslaved to your shame. 
Jesus paid the ultimate price. He was executed as an innocent man so that you would not have to be ashamed anymore. He bore the ultimate shame. He was hung up basically naked on a cross, nailed to a tree, beaten beyond recognition so that you would no longer have to be ashamed. He was laid bare so that you could be comfortable bringing your things to the altar and saying, you know what? I can leave them here. I don't have to be ashamed of this. The shame that we feel cannot compare to the shame that was placed upon Jesus. So how do we respond if we know that it's God's will that we not live in shame? If we know that it is, it is one of the things that Jesus came here to do was to bear our shame, what do we do about that? What's our step? What's our next step? What's, what's the action that we can take? The way I see it, there's a couple of things. The first one, fairly straightforward. Step one is to bring yourself under the lordship of Jesus Christ. You accept his gift of salvation and you put him in charge of your life, okay? What does that look like in, my, in, in, in actual day-to-day life? What it looks like is relying on the wisdom of Scripture. What I do is I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. That means scripturally I am saved. I have salvation. But it goes beyond that to making Christ Lord over your life. So whenever I am faced with decisions, I no longer assume that I have all control of the situation. What I do is I reflect and I pray and I say, God, this is the decision that I have to make. Help me to be led by you. Help me to make the decision that you want me to do. And I reflect on scripture. And if the thing that I am faced with goes against God's word, it's not the thing to do. If the thing that I'm faced with goes against that that. The, the sense of, of truth that I get from, the, from being in, in relationship with the Holy Spirit, it's not the thing. I have found that every time God makes it plain to me, whenever I ask him what it is that I need to do, he leads me in that path. He leads me down the right way. And you know what? Sometimes it looks like reading your, your Bible. And let me just tell you this. You can't be led by the Spirit without being in your Bible. Doesn't work that way. You can't say, I'm just gonna follow whatever I feel like the Spirit is saying. Guess what? The Spirit has spoken. And a lot of things you just need to get in your Bible. Sometimes it's that. You know what's another thing that God uses a lot though? He uses other people. It's one of the things, you guys heard me preach about spiritual authority a few months ago. One of the ways that God is going to speak to you and lead you and guide you is by using other people, by you having some authority in your life, somebody who can see farther than you do, who says, mm, no, that's not a good thing. This is the red flags, guys. These are red flags. You need these other people around you. You need to submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. That's step one. Submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. If all you ever do is make a decision to accept salvation, you'll be forgiven, but all the things that you have hidden will still have power over you. So how do we now break the power of those 
things. Here's, here's where we come to the upside down kingdom. The world says you need to put on a mask when you come to church. The world says you need to cover up and hide everything. The world says a young 22-year-old man cannot tell his wife that he's afraid to get on the swings at the state fair. The world says if you've got a mess, tuck it under the rug. God's way is this. You have to bring those things which were hidden into the light. You need to bring the things that you are struggling with, the things that are eating you up inside, and you gotta bring them out. You know, I, I saw this, um, this post a, a couple of days ago, and uh, somebody said, that they are giving up on self-improvement, God's just gonna have to bless this mess. Man, what a terrible way to live. To admit that you no longer desire to grow as a person, that you no longer desire holiness, that you no longer desire to be closer to God. How do we bring this to the light? How do we take those things inside of us and bring them into the light? This is the part that nobody likes to hear, okay? The upside down kingdom says don't hide it. Don't hide your mess. Don't try to keep it undercover. Don't do that. The kingdom of God says this. Confess your sins one to another. Okay, there's two things about confession that you need to understand. The first is this, that we as people need to confess our sins to God. We need to acknowledge that we're messed up, okay? Because you can't really accept the free gift of salvation without telling God first, I understand that I'm a mess. I understand that I'm a sinner and that I'm broken. Because here's the thing, you can't be saved from something that you refuse to admit is a danger to you, okay? Throw somebody in the middle of the ocean, okay? If that person is absolutely convinced that they can swim to shore, okay? You will never get them in a boat. Why? They don't think they need help. And guess what? A lot of people in our culture right now, they don't think they need a savior, some people in this room, you don't think you need a savior. Guess what? You're wrong. Because you are doing irreparable damage to yourself outside of receiving Christ. I dare you to try to fix yourself. We have a few people who, in this building who do counseling. I bet they could tell you how, how well that usually goes. So we confess first to God by saying, God, I, I, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I know that I've messed up. I accept your salvation. But then, next step, 
confess your sins to each other. There was a lot of talk this morning about healing. Actually, in prayer it came up, and, and Pastor Rich was talking about healing, uh, doing things, and, and I need to read you guys a scripture. In James 5, starting in, in, in verse 13, going down to 16, it says, Is there any among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Then it says in verse 16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Okay, so what I can read in that, it says, therefore, confess your sins to each other. It's saying, so to make everything else that happened before this viable, you need to confess your sins one to another. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. Healing and confession go hand in hand. And there's some people here in this place and you've been fa facing chronic illness, you've been facing pain in your body, you've been facing uh, all these kind of issues, uh, things that the doctors can't define, and guess what? The answer is, maybe you just need to confess some things and let go of the weight of that so that God can heal it, so God can heal you. So quiet. We need to let God heal us. We need to partake in confession. A natural part of our Christian walk should be the confession of sin. But not just the confession of sin. The confession of need you need to open up and, and, and let God and let others know, I am in need, I need help. Okay, oftentimes we look for a supernatural solution to something that God has someone specifically poised to have a practical solution for. And in my experience, I have seen, I have seen a lot of people crying out for supernatural gifts that they themselves could be answering supernatural gifts and answers to problems that they themselves could be answering if God has positioned people around you to help you why wouldn't you why wouldn't you just let them know why wouldn't you confess your need not just sins and not just needs but also confessions of shame like hey you know what I know God has forgiven me for this but I'm still carrying around this burden I'm still carrying around this stuff. Confessions of hurt. You know, there's some people in this place that you're dealing with some deep-seated trauma. And the healing balm that would help you is to confess it and to bring it to the light. There's this old saying that, um, what is it? Only mold grows in the darkness. Only decay grows in the darkness. Here's another one for you. God can't heal what you hide. 
the same thing as that sin issue. If you're hiding it, if you're keeping it from him, if you're keeping him at arm's length because you don't want to acknowledge the stuff that you're dealing with, you're effectively telling him, I don't need you. And let me warn you, Christians, when you say, God, I don't, I'll give you access to this part of my life, I don't give you access to my heart, I don't give you access to my hurts, you are saying to him, I don't need God in my life. I am the God of my life. And it puts you in rebellion from the kingdom of God. Confession is an act of vulnerability, hope, and faith. We lay ourselves before God. We give him our hope to say, God, I, I, I hope that laying this before you, God, you will heal me. And it's a step of faith that we take to see his kingdom enacted in our own lives. The theologian Frederick Buchner said this, to confess your, your sins to God is not to tell God anything he doesn't already know. Until you confess them, however, they are an abyss between you. When you confess them, they become the bridge. Imagine that God wants to bring you closer to him and the thing that he's using to pave the road is all of the sins that you confess to him, all of the shame that you confess to him, all the trauma that you confess to him, all of the needs that you confess to him, all of the things that you take out of the darkness and you bring them to light, God turns that into paving stones to form a path leading straight to him. Imagine what God can do with all this. Church, I need to challenge you a little bit here. The church is meant to be a place where confession is a normal part of our lives. And if we really believe that Jesus has come to take our shame away, if we're serious about it, then we need to start making this place, Believer's Chapel, a safe place to confess. What does that mean? How do we do that? Okay, so what do we, what, how do we make it a safe place to confess? We make it a safe place to confess by leading by example, first and foremost. Can I talk to you guys and be, be honest and transparent about things? Okay. I need to confess. I have not guarded my tongue. I have said things even recently, that have hurt people because I was not paying attention to the words that came out of my mouth. The Bible says that for the man that knows to good, do, do good and doesn't, doesn't do it, to him that's sin. And I knew that I wasn't supposed to say certain things and I said them and I sinned. Can I confess that in the past several weeks, my wife could tell you that I've been very frustrated because we have a little boy who thinks differently than other kids. And I've been out of my mind trying to figure out how to interact with him right, and it's made me angry, and I've been angry, and I've not been a good father in that regard. 
can I confess to you that I've spent the majority of my adult life eating my feelings rather than bringing them to God and letting him transform me? Can I confess to you that I have not allowed God full access to my heart in those respects? Can I also confess that whenever I bring those things to the throne of Christ, he does amazing things in my life. Number one, lead by example. That's the first way that we do it. We make it a safe place by not judging those who bring their sins and hurts to the altar. Let them come. Let them talk about it. We make it a safe place by killing every desire to gossip about people. People's issues that they are struggling with are not fodder for your conversations with friends. And I need to tell you this. If you are a person who uses people's vulnerability and takes advantage of that after they have confessed things to you, God help you, because I know he will not look kindly on it. And maybe that's something you need to confess. Maybe that's something that you need to bring to God or to others. We make it a safe place by always pointing to the work of the cross. Always. What does that mean? Whenever somebody comes to me, it does not matter what thing that they have done. Whenever they come to me with that in confidence and they tell me this, it does not matter how bad it seems. Why? Because Jesus has already provided an answer for their situation. He has already taken the sin that would claim them to the cross. The Bible says that he became sin who knew no sin. Okay, he became the sin and crucified that sin. So there is no work, there's no uh, issue that the work of the cross cannot cover. The only, one, the only work of, of sin that the, work, the cross can't cover is the one that you keep from him. That's it. We make it a safe place by remembering what Christ has forgiven us for. So when you are forgiven by God and other people come to you and they, they tell you about the things that they're struggling with, they tell you about the things that they're dealing with, they tell you the fact that they have been a, uh, a bad parent or they, they're struggling with sin or they uh, were assaulted when they were a young person or they bring all this stuff, it doesn't matter what they are dealing with. The work of the cross covers it and guess what? The work that God has done in you is the work that God is, has, is going to do in them is just like the work that God has already done in you. The worship team is going to come here in a minute. I'm going to try to bring this to a close. Jesus has come to take away your shame.
I want to tell you guys a, a story. And um, to be honest with you, I'm not really sure where this is going to go. Can you guys stick with me? Okay. When Libby and I lived in Buffalo, all right, remember how I talked about eating my feelings a lot, right? 2020 happened, and I was the heaviest that I've ever been, okay? Now, I know what you're thinking already. It's like, oh, my God, he's going to talk about food. He's going to talk about weight. He's going to talk about all this stuff. Um, let me just tell you there's, 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 there's a deeper thing going on here. We were uh, significantly overweight, and I spent tons of money on what I call cover-ups, okay? So uh, I love my wife. I, I wanted to love myself, so, you know, I would buy bigger clothes, right? I wanted to cover myself up. I just, I was ashamed of the way that I looked. And I didn't want to be seen that way, so I would just cover myself up. You know, for, for Libby, she, um, she had, uh, like, specific, like, nail polish that she really liked, you know, and it made her feel pretty when she didn't really like herself, you know? And, and I'll confess to you, sometimes we don't, we still don't like ourselves. We're still a work in progress. But we spent so much money on this stuff. And, and honestly, for me, like, I just wanted her to be happy. I wanted her to feel pretty. And I would have spent any amount of money to make it happen. Whatever I had, I'd have given it all. Why? Because I love her and I, just, I want her to feel pretty. And some of you are spending so much time and money and energy trying to cover up your shame, but the only thing that's going to make it better is a real change. Some of us have been covering up. We've been covering up our feelings with whatever chemical we can get inside of us. Some people in here have been deadening their emotions with alcohol or drugs. Some people in here have so much shame and they want to feel loved and they want to feel pretty. So they'll take whoever they can get to bed. Some people are in unhealthy relationships because they're so afraid of, of the shame of feeling rejected. Some of us are are doing everything we can to put on a front for people whenever we are in financial disarray. Some of us are doing what I did. You're literally covering up yourself because you keep on eating your feelings. When God has an answer for you and he's not afraid of your feelings. When I was... I did an internship here years and years and years ago and the very first year, I don't know if Rich remembers this, I was very angry because I was separated from a girl that I loved. And I was so mad and I wanted to burn everything down. And the thing, I sat down in Rich's office and he looked at me and he said, why are you so angry? And I said, I'm not angry. It's like, you're so mad at God. I'm like, I'm not mad at God. And he's like, why, why won't you admit it? 
And the reality was, because I was ashamed to be mad at him. So he gave me an instruction. Rich, do you remember what, what the instructions were you gave me? You told me for a week, go into your office, turn up your music, and have it out with God. Yell and scream at him, get it all out. And I did it for a whole week. You know what I learned? That God is big enough to deal with my emotions. He's big enough to deal with my issues. I'm not gonna hurt him. Today, I'm gonna invite the, uh, the prayer team to come up here. Right now, even as I'm still speaking, they're gonna, they're gonna begin coming forward. God wants you to feel pretty. God does not want you to carry the weight of your burden, your shame, or your sin, or your issues, or your trauma. He wants to give you a chance to heal today. He wants you to feel beautiful again. He wants you to stop living under the weight of your sin that you're trying so hard to hide or your hurt that you're trying so hard to hide. Or whatever issue it is, guess what? This is a safe place. This is a safe place to talk about it. Every one of these people on the prayer team, none of them will talk about the thing that you need to confess. None of them will take that and use it for, for fodder, for gossip. And every one of them is going to point you to the cross. Would you guys bow your heads real quick? We're gonna pray together here in a second, but I wanna give you an opportunity. If you're thinking about this and you're like, man, Casey, you have talked a lot about Jesus and this gift of salvation and talking about getting rid of your sin and all this stuff, but I haven't done that yet and I want to, okay? Let me just tell you, the Bible says this, okay? If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple, okay? That's, that is as simple as it is to get saved from your sin. That is your confession to God, I need a savior. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around me. If that's you and you wanna receive that today, go ahead and slip up a hand. I see a hand, I see a hand, you can put them down, I see them. Anybody else? See it, yep. See that, you can put it down. We're gonna pray together real quick. Everybody as a family, let's pray this out loud. Say, Jesus, I confess my need for you. I receive your, your salvation and I give you lordship of my life. I put you in charge and now I decide to walk in your light. Thank you for saving me. We love you. We thank you for the work of the cross. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Would you guys give a hand to the Lord right now? The Bible says that in heaven they're rejoicing, but guess what? The fight is not over. If you are here today, the worship team is gonna, is gonna lead us in a song. Would you guys stand with me right now? If you are here today and you are at the place where you are tired of carrying the weight of things, it could be sin, it could be trauma, it could be uh, need that you have, but if you are ready for that to be a thing of the past, the altar is open. We're gonna take some time to confess. Again, this is a safe place to do that, okay? This is how we heal. This is how we grow. Amen? Amen, the altar is open. Thank you again for checking out this message. If you would like help taking your first steps on your faith journey, you can text the number 315-444-2100 and include the word Jesus in your text. We're going to follow up with you and help you get started. God bless you and thank you again.